The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 26 Jabir stood paralyzed, his body partially encased in the pillar of black goo that rose up out of the back of the Veyer camp. The reptilian's tongue hung limply out of his mouth, his hands, legs, and tail all sticking out of the sides of his gelatinous prison, along with part of his orange-scaled face. I peeked out from my hiding place behind a low-lying bush, Wondering how in the green ocean I was going to be getting them out of there. Behind the black pillar stood the onion-shaped dome that I figured was the main base out here in the marshes. While several ovoid buildings were off to the sides, maybe barracks or storage sheds. It was all built in the nastiest part of the swamps. Atop veiny and muscular ground that throbbed and pulsed in a dull purple hue. Nearby, pools of colorful liquid churned filled with all manner of grotesque life forms. A pump attached to the central building led into one of these pools, noisily drawing in the liquid. Yep, this place was totally scragged. Even the outro was different, a hectic, tense feeling radiating from the land. The swamps had never been like this before, and I guess it all had something to do with these new occupants. I'd seen a mini factory at the back of the nearby building, all this life being processed so they could build armies of their Fizar warriors. A couple of those jab-gaggers were nearby, the red-armored slimers on patrol around the camp's perimeter. I let them pass out of view before I fully stood, taking a step towards the captive Jabir. A bit of air escaped from his mouth as the lizard man spotted me, his bulging eyes standing out. I reached out, grabbed onto his taloned hand, and pulled. There was a slight give, but his body really didn't move, the muck that encased him pulling him back immediately. I tried again, planting both feet firmly on the ground, and then giving my buddy's arm a good two-handed tug. The same results. One glance at it in the Monad's instant database told me why. The goo was a genetically modified bacteria culture, enhanced with a chemical combination to make it totally elastic and resistant to force, also paralyzing anyone caught inside. A simple prison, but not a perfect one. The database told me that it was vulnerable to certain vibrational frequencies, and I could generate frequencies pretty easy. It was just like what I had done to change my gravitational field, or with the super jumps. Vibrate the atra, causing a matching vibration in the physical. I took my hands off Jabir's arm and began to focus on my breathing, taking in a small fraction of the area's strange atra and letting it spin in a pattern around my hands. Dwelling further on it, I imagined the Atra changing slightly as I pictured in my mind its frequency, which the monadic network conveniently listed. In moments, I could feel my hands tingling, the Atra vibrating upon them. Then I moved them closer to the surface of the black goo. It began to jiggle as I did so, matching that vibration. 
I breathed out and willed my atra to merge with that of the goo, spreading its frequency to the slime mold. Soon the entire surface was rippling like liquid. I grabbed Jabir's hand again and gave him a slight pull. This time he came out easily, though covered in a film of the black muck. He let out a groan as he fell towards me, stumbling as his feet touched the ground. I grabbed him, pulling Jabir away from his former prison. He couldn't walk, his extremities still paralyzed from the ooze's effect. Jabir was dead weight in my hands, but at least he was pretty light. I hoisted his arm over my shoulder and began to walk with him, away from that whole nasty place. As I went, I could hear the clumping of the guard's boots somewhere behind me. I heard my pace, trying to keep a part of my consciousness focused in stealth mind. Maybe they'd be less inclined to look my way, but I wasn't quite certain how that would work while I was carrying the body of a prisoner they knew was no longer in his prison. I was also certain I was leaving footprints in the malleable ground. If any of them were trained trackers, I wouldn't elude them for long. I trudged across the spongy ground, towards a patch of vegetation to the east, where reedy green stalks grew. I hoped that the Pfizer hadn't quite spotted me, but my hopes soon fell away as I heard their heavy footfalls somewhere behind. I darted for the stalk patch, Jabir leaning on my shoulder, ignoring the plants that twitched like some kind of feelers at our approach. Through my monadic connection I could sense them, several humanoid life forms not far behind. As I pulled him along towards another dense patch of fairly ordinary-looking grasses, I took a peek at Jabir. He was breathing heavy, hissing gasps emerging from his lungs. His side was covered in a welt that had broken open, faintly oozing his orange blood. The old lizard seemed dazed, saying nothing and barely even able to stand. Scrag. He'd probably gotten hurt falling from the cube. He needed some rest, but that was something that wouldn't happen here. My eyes drifted to outside of my grassy patch, where red-clad forms appeared. Close. I briefly considered fighting. I wasn't sure how many I could take on at once, especially not with Jabir in his current state. So I scooped up my paralyzed companion, hoisted him across my back, and ran the opposite direction, deeper into the vegetation. It grew thicker the further I went, and at times I found myself violently pushing aside bushes and grasses, my mind expecting more grabbers, or those gnarly eye-stalk things. Sweat was dripping from the edges of my forehead. I could feel Jabir as a weight on my back, my muscles growing tense and tired. Weariness starting to settle in, as I nonetheless trudged through the dense foliage. Soon I reached a slightly more open area. Drier, with only disparate patches of mud or puddles, where larger trees grew tall out of the nutrient-rich ground creating a leafy canopy overhead. The air carried an earthy scent, of decay, but also growth. Sunlight streaming between the branches splayed out in patterns on the mossy floor. Much of the ground foliage here still moved, shifting towards the sunlight, or backing away as I walked past, but it seemed I was out of the worst of the Veyer-modified marshes. There, I spotted her, crouched upon a tree limb. Or at least I guessed it was a her. A wiry figure, pea-green and muscular, like some overgrown garden vegetable. The woman's angular face held eyes of a deeper green that gazed out into the nearby marshes. In her hands was a strange weapon. It looked like a rifle, made of some kind of biomaterial, like a bug's chitin but with fleshier bits at the end of the barrel. 
reminding me of what two-faced Yako Miras had used back in the temple compound. Parva, Punisher of Navathal, Awakened Veyer, Rank 1, displayed her hovering info from the monad. I was about to peek further at her abilities and what that rifle was, but I knew she had seen me. The green woman pointed her bio-rifle right where I had been standing. I sidestepped just in time, and Parva's gun shot with a popping noise. I could barely make out something round and squishy darting from the gun. It struck a small tree behind me. I looked briefly to see squirming, vine-like feelers rapidly embracing the tree. Below Parva stood three more Fizar, just appearing on scene. Fighting was still a big nope. I ran, hearing electropikes discharging behind me. Eventually, there were no more enemies in sight, at least for the moment. Just me, Jabir, and the forest. There I saw it, the remains of a huge tree reduced to a hollow, its sides verdant with moss, its circumference twice as long as my body laid out. I stepped inside, lowering Jabir off of my back, as I too ducked down within the cover of the dead tree. The ground was fairly dry here, free from the worst of the grotesque swamp life. <sighs> I took a breather, wiping the oily sweat from my brow and rubbing my eyes. I fully placed my companion on the ground, leaning his body against the back corner of the hollowed-out stump, making sure he was hidden from the entryway. Sorry, buddy. Gonna have to leave you here a moment, I whispered. I knew that there was no way I was out running or out fighting the Veyer while carrying Jabir's limp body, not without risking him getting even more hurt. This place wasn't perfect, but it would have to do. The old lizard could rest here while I did what I needed to do. From somewhere beyond the stump, I could hear the Fizar soldiers marching through the wetlands, their boots crunching on twigs or sloshing through mud. I patted Jabir on his scaly head and stood fully to my feet, facing the swamps. Taking another deep breath, I entered stealth mind, the sense of smallness and insignificance washing over me. I then stepped back out into the marshy woods, creeping carefully over the ground. I wasn't invisible, after all. Those idiots could still see me, if they made visual contact. But if I had learned anything as a low-life Reuven, it was how to sneak around without being noticed. Striding through the mossy undergrowth, I quietly drew both of the weapons holstered on my belt buckle, twist blades. After integrating Garvel Thren's lifetime, I'd gotten my old striker replaced with them, since now I had the knowledge to wield the weird weapons without cutting my fingers off. I only expanded each to the size of small daggers, keeping them to my sides. I stayed silent, my eyes scanning the trees for any colors that didn't match. Minutes later, I spotted them, red behind the green, the enemy. I made my way towards them, careful to not disturb a leaf or a twig. Soon two of them were in my sight, the armored clone soldiers slowly marching between the trees, pushing aside undergrowth with their pikes. I took a few steps, until I was behind one, who still hadn't spotted me. I raised my right twist blade, and quickly thrust it forward, expanding the weapon as I plunged it straight through his spine. He didn't have a chance to cry out, falling right to the ground. His companion, a few yards away, turned my way suddenly and was about to lift his weapon in defense when I swung my other blade, letting the semi-liquid metal twist out to great sword size as it hacked straight through his throat. Feeling the adrenaline pumping through me, I let loose a cawing war cry. 
The others would definitely hear it, but that's what I wanted. They'd come looking for me, hunt me down, not Shabir. They appeared shortly, four more Fizar goons marching onto the scene. Come on, you mindless slimers, I shouted, spinning my twin blades in the air as they stepped out from behind the trees. But I definitely did not let them come to me. The first of them fired a blast from his pike. It would have struck me square in the chest, but I spun my twist blade like a pinwheel, at the same time channeling a flow of Atra around it to form a field that deflected the energy, causing the air in front of me to flash white. Then I ran, using my remaining reserves to bolster my reflexes and speed. Trees flashed by me as I bounded across the scenery, at times using my momentum and the Atra to hurl my body upward, swinging from low-lying branches. As behind me, electricity surged and shots were fired. As I leapt, jumped, and ran, I caught sight of her again. Parva, that Vare woman, a barely discernible outline of green against slightly deeper green. She was running too, keeping pace with me, her bio-rifle in hand. The green lady stopped to aim and fire, and I jumped up in reaction, out of the way of her sticky attack. I continued to run, and soon she was out of sight. At last, I came to a more open area of the marsh, wetter with less trees, and peeked back to see two Fizar emerging from the vegetation more than ten yards away. Movement behind them suggested a third. I wasn't sure where Parva was. A brief glance around the area, the life-infested lakes, the purple-tinted land, suggested I was back in the marshes proper. I kept going, quickly skirting the shores of a swampy lake whose olive-green waters were filled with countless tiny, undulating polyps. Then I pressed onward through another reedy field, the ground sticky and wet with mud. I could hear the sucking noise of the soldiers' boots as they plodded after me. Minutes later, I emerged from the reedy mud. I stopped. Ahead lay only a thin strip of fleshy purple earth, which ended abruptly at a bright green pool of brackish water, thousands of those pulsating mouths visible under the surface. I tried looking for an easy way around it, but before I could get far, they began crawling out from the reeds. Two Fizar emerged immediately, followed by another pair a few yards behind. With four of those crimson-armored bastards approaching, I got ready for a fight, once more flipping my twist blades and expanding them out to three feet. The two warriors in front simultaneously rushed at me, pikes pointed forward, while those in back took aim, the ends of their weapons glowing yellow. The fight began. I called Bakibra to the forefront, adding her combat reflexes to my own, and fell fully into the forms I had learned when I integrated Garvel Thren, the Blade Master, into my psyche. I dodged and I spun, hacking and slashing as I balanced on that narrow strip of land. Electric blasts surged over my head. Blood splashed through the air and into the water. Seven seconds later, yes, the monadic network counted them, I was standing victorious over my foes. Just then, a heavy pop rocked the air. Something wet thudded against my left foot. There, a tiny cluster of vines erupted, squirming like serpents as they began to cover my foot and reach up my leg. Painless, but disturbing. I looked back for the source. There, crouched low in the reeds, was Parva, her living rifle cocked on the ground in front of her. She stood to her feet, more than a head taller than me, and began walking my way. I tried pulling my foot free, 
but of course it was stuck to the ground, held in place by that scragging stuff she had shot. My first idea was to hack it away with my twist blades, despite its proximity to my foot. But before I could do so, the wiry lady was upon me, her large hands grabbing both of my arms. However much the Atra enhanced my strength, Parva seemed stronger, her green flesh rippling in alien ways, the muscles in different places than my own. She squeezed tight, and I was forced to drop both twist blades, one of them landing on the ground and receding back into its base, the other one plopping into the green waters. With my free foot, I leveled a kick at the lady's shin. She winced, but looked more annoyed than hurt. You will surrender now, Nayar, she said, her voice throaty. And you'll bring us to your companions. None of you have any right to this world, and you know it. More right than you. You're the invaders here, the ones scragging up Aruvis and its people. Parva began to lift me up by my arms. I could feel the vines falling away from my foot, probably by mental command from her. I tried kicking her a few more times, but without much result. That root vegetable of a woman was as tough as she looked. Still hefting me up in the air, Parva walked forward until I was just above that gross green pool, those horrible mouth things pulsing beneath its surface. Our treaty, this farm world, is their territory, she said. And you should know this, unless... Her forest green eyes gazed into my own, then scanned the edges of my form, as if she too could access the monad and get details about me from it. Ah, you must be their recruit. The one they stole from us. That's me, the chosen one. I tried to put up a bright, silly smile. Yes, the one Lord Gurvath is seeking. Exactly. Which means that you need me alive and won't be throwing me into any monster-infested pools, right? That remains to be seen. Whatever information our governor seeks from you, it can be obtained no matter the state of your physical form. Scrag. The mouths below the water were opening and closing, maybe anticipating a forthcoming meal. I thought of ways to get out of this. Physically, she had one up on me. Could I somehow use the Atra to squeeze out of her grasp? Maybe if I had the training, which I didn't. It became clear, my remaining twist blade, laying there on the ground. I reached out to it with my Atra, imagining myself grasping the blade pulling it to myself with immense force. I had seen Z perform similar feats. It was possible, and probably not all that different from using Atra to bolster my own movements. I let my Atra flow into the air around the blade, forming it into a hand that held it firmly. I sent my energies, my motions, my intent into it. As Parva held me over the pool of mouths, I willed the blade to activate and return to my hand. I heard it before I saw it, the weapon whooshing as it opened up. Then a scream from the woman holding me as it plunged through her back and out her chest before finally landing firmly in my hand, covered in her blood. Parvo stumbled backward, letting me go. I leaned forward, my feet touching on solid ground, the very edge of the green pool. I raised the twist blade above my head and swung it down, ready to take out the Vare woman who was now on her knees in front of me. But before I could make contact, she suddenly sprung up and landed a heavy uppercut on my jaw. As I staggered back, nearly falling into the waters, she stood up once more, 
injured, but clearly not dead despite the gash in her chest. Scrag this chick was hardy. She grimaced at me. Now I'm definitely going to kill you, Nyar, and let Gurveth sort out the details from your ghost. I willed the Atra to swirl around my body, through my limbs, getting ready for the fight that was to follow. The Atra never came. I felt a sudden vertigo, my legs all rubbery. My Atra was gone, the last of it used up in that telekinetic feat. Parva stepped forward and raised her fists. From behind her, there was an orange-yellow blur in the air, trailing rapidly through the nearby reeds and onto the strip of land where we both stood. Before she could attack, I saw that a long reptilian tail had wrapped itself around Parva's legs. Jabir had attached himself to her back. Parva struggled for only an instant, a look of surprise and dismay on her face. Before the nimble Jabir twisted sideways, unlatched her body from his tail's grasp, and tossed her straight into the waters. She splashed into the pool and quickly sank, too stunned to scream or resist as she fell down and down, to a bottom infested with those mouthy growths. After another moment, I could see her struggling, but by then her foot had touched bottom and was caught in one of them. Under the water, they expanded, pulling upward at their new catch as they grew slightly. More of them began to attach themselves to that leg, to her other leg, to her torso, all pulling her down and down, until her head disappeared below the surface and her body was embraced in a mass of pulsating circular maws. It all happened in moments, until there was no sign of Parva other than a person-shaped bulge under the water. Jabir, looking as sprightly as ever, stood fully to his feet, the lizard man looked my way and flicked his tongue, a grin on his face. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.